It is now 3 p.m. Up next, we bring you an encore broadcast of Jennifer Stone reading from Telegraph Avenue, then a memoir from April 2001. Keep it locked right here to 94.1 KPFA. By 10 o'clock, I'm in a smoke-filled back room at the Blind Bird. An old beard a candle maker holds forth on the subject of the male spark or fire which ignites the clay or the earth matter which is personified by woman he says the life force is in sperm and it's this life spark which sets matter moving and gets the old earth off her ass so to speak I ask him if this is the medieval theory of the homunculus or little man said to travel through the mother's body as if he were in an oven emerging as if you were a clone without taking any DNA from the female. <laughs> the old beard says, what the hell, he will buy me a beer anyway. You probably think I'm a male chauvinist pig, he opines. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn I drink the beer. The jukebox plays Joan Baez. She sings love is just a four-letter word. A joint passes around the table. Another beard leans toward me, saying, Well, actually, the women's movement is very significant, very significant. Did not Marx say that social progress can be measured by the position of the female sex? First beard makes an obscene remark. But suppose I'm Ms. Marx. Suppose I say I don't want social position. I want to be an artist. They tell me to be serious. The truth is, I answer, you men pay too high a price for your masculinity. As for me, I tell them, I just want you to know I did not attend the hooker's masquerade ball in San Francisco last Halloween. I did not win the prize for the costume in the worst taste. And for your information, I was not even invited. But it hasn't destroyed my confidence in myself as woman. The men grimace and assume I'm too drunk to talk sense now. They ignore me and the women move in. Kirsten suggests I see a psychiatrist. Maria tells me to give way to joy. Monica suggests I be successful artistically. Be somebody. That'll show them. Karen sighs and says stay home and play the gramophone and cherish the heart. Worship the Buddha in all its forms. Well, now, I'm half Irish, the worst half. Booze tends to make me rave. This is not a goddamn play, I yell. I'm not a goddamned actor. This is, this is my life here going on now. Oh, maybe I deserve to be a slave. Men put me on for years, and I bought it. I used to fight for male approval, the pearl beyond price, but... Man is not an oyster. Man is very irritating, but man is not an oyster. No one is listening to me. I pour another beer. Once I joined Witch, the Women's International Terrorist Conspiracy from Hell. I called up my primary attachment, old number one, and told him I was through. He laughed, told me to come over and help him clean up his swanky apartment. 
Every morning, a man dressed like a mortician hoses off the cement in front of his building. I, on the other hand, go out every morning with a broom and sweep the broken glass off my front steps. No place that's safe will rent to a mother with children. Old number one tells me again how much he needs me to help him fix things up. I don't do windows, I yell. And I'm not going to be your nigger no more. I'm going to get revenge. I'll go be someone else's nigger. He laughs. He loves my sense of humor. The bar is closing. I move my glass in circles. Looking at the ceiling with its gold lanterns. It looks like a cafe in a Van Gogh painting. No one's talking to me now. The woman who used to play guitar here years ago in the 50s. She begins to sing Foggy, Foggy Do. My memory goes back to an old scene. Early love across the table, drinking mulled wine. Did I ever really love without bitterness? Sure. There were no resentments. None at all until I had children to worry about. Marriage wasn't so bad. <laughs> of course, his apartment was a mess. When I arrived, he told me he'd saved the mess for me so I'd have something to do. Busy little bride I was. I scoured and polished my way to feminine perfection. I put rubber gloves over my manicure and did the walls and ceilings with... Lysol and ammonia. I dolled up and douched and cooked and decorated and buffed everything to a high gloss. Turned out in a few weeks there was nothing left but a vacuum, literally. My husband seemed to become an indifferent lover once I was available all the time. Sin had worked with us for years. After a few months of legal liaison, he had to be reminded. It got to be too much trouble to get ready. Those were the days of the diaphragm. Well, pretty soon I found a lover who made appointments. Once I was all dressed up, I wanted some place to go. Well, I guess I've gone. Kind of funny thing, though. A psychiatrist I went to once told me he believed that the females were the grudge-carrying partners in most relationships. Could be. Could make a new bumper sticker for women. Don't carry a grudge. Carry a gun. Like the rest of the boys. The next section is dated spring of 1973. I need new glasses. I have an Asian optometrist, the laconic Dr. Lee. Well, he opines, I'd advise you to get trifocals, my dear lady. Tri trifocals are what you need. Uh, with your perspective, that is, with your present bifocal prescription, you can see very well at a great distance. Uh, you even manage to see a great deal of what is right under your nose. However, you must know there is a vast area in between. 
which is forever misted over with doubt. I wonder if it's true Asians conceive the eye to be a primary erogenous zone. <laughs> it's the look that lasts. Oh, later, summer 1973, begins with uh, an epigraph from Gertrude Stein. What is poetry? And if you know what poetry is, what is prose? The second year of trying to be a poet in Berkeley. Poets bring me their work. Great loaves of prose made into lots of Lumps and a few crumbling cookies. Great tree of prose hacked into kindling with a two-headed axe and slung over to the left margin, sawdust everywhere. Some sense sometimes, but no song. And reading aloud the sound makes no sense, but the poets all say, Oh, yes, yes, that is what I meant, you see. At the workshop I talk about the integrity of the image cluster and the definition of rhyme as similar sounds at regular intervals. The poets throw things at me at the readings. I never know whether to write something or dye my hair mauve, theatrics or thought. I'm learning. I gotta be contemporary. If I want to belong, I'll have to write polemics in poster form. I can do it. Mother always said I could adjust to anything. Whores. Wendy isn't living with Peter Pan anymore. Actually, they couldn't get it on for a meaningful relationship because Peter was too mean and Wendy wouldn't work. Then Wendy joined the women's movement. She read Germaine Greer. Now Wendy says we're all whores, whores, whores. And that's it. That's where it's at. All right, all right. And destroy the monetary system, she says. So we won't be whores anymore. I knew damn well I could relate to that. Hell yes, I said. That sounds all right, all right, all right. Get thee to a barricade. Make some waves. And I ran to tell a man I know. And he smiled. And with paternal patience smiled again. And then he asked, was I a good whore? Or a bad whore? And I hollered, do you ask black folks, was they good slaves or bad? But he couldn't relate to the question. Maybe because he, he's from the colored generation. Not only do I plan to destroy the integrity of the image cluster in my work, I intend to go for the puzzle as in crossword puzzle poem and to use free association without reservation. Even seagulls get seasick. Wendy met this liberal fig leaf, this granulated student with an edifice complex. He told her all about the aha experience, Nietzsche, nihilism, and naked apes, but he doesn't have a car. If we could speak, what would we say? Do you remember? Do you remember those babes in the wood? I think one of them left the phone off the hook. Let us consider the telephone as a sex object. Let us not. Where are the snows of 
yesteryear, right here, dear. My druid blue babies unborn went back to the sea. It was still there. Gertrude Stein knew. It is very, very difficult to use words without making sense. In that sense, she was truly a genius because she said what wisdom does, but she, she never made sense of it. 1974 Epigraph from Gertrude Stein, she wrote, Why don't they read the way I write? Gertrude Stein said, The most important thing about the work, the writing, is someone who will say yes to it. Alice said yes to Gertrude, so the writing continued. I need someone who says, yes, a yes man. I try to say yes to myself, but there are these doubts I thought you might help me with. Oh, not you. Him. When I ask a him, he always has reservations, doubts. Oh, he may admit I have talent. You know, a talent of sorts. One man didn't think I had the discipline, another didn't think I had the follow-through. He also didn't think I had the overview. The next one didn't think I'd ever get it all together. Some thought I should write the way I talk. Others thought I should write logically, use an outline so I'd get somewhere. Another one thought I should write honestly instead of facetiously, in contrast to the one before that, who thought I should write satire and send it to the New Yorker, because... That's who I really was? Really? This lover thought I should write about the agonies of love because of my passionate nature, and that lover thought I should write about frigidity, and a third about lost love, about not being loved. About him, actually. A woman told me to write about my children, about childbirth, abortions, I was ashamed to tell her I'd never had an abortion. About the woman thing, the woman question, about woman as victim, woman as goddess, whatever, I'll tell you what. I'll write about me. Whoever that may be, I'll call me the Piltdown Woman, a real fake. <laughs> Footnote here, Piltdown Man was an elaborate anthropological fraud. The fraud was discovered when errors were found in the relationship of the fragments, some of which were from real human skulls. Damn, how do I shut out their voices? No way. Well, then, then use the anger. Right about how much I get sick of voices telling me who I am. Well, that's what I'm doing, isn't it? Winter. End of winter, 1974. The doubts don't go away. What are these editors after? I study their letters. When they say a thing is wrong, they use words to describe female sexuality. Fragmented, loose, repetitious, abstract, diffuse, tangential, muted, free associative, subjective, circular, dreamlike, intangible. 
When they say a thing is just right, they reveal their phallocentric focus. They tell me to follow the main thrust, stick to the point, tighten it up, strengthen the climax, simplify the action, and keep the lights on, literally. Embarrassing. <laughs> Not their fault, of course. Virginia Woolf said, No use going to the male writers for help, no matter how much one goes to them for pleasure. My son Simon says, I'll never make it. He says I'm always in a dither. I tell him his existence blocks me. I feel I should be cleaning his room and civilizing him. He asks, Why should I care whether his laundry gets done or his room is clean? I care, I yell. Because I'm your goddamn mother. I'm supposed to be responsible for your welfare. It's a voice in my head. Poor head, he said. My 13-year-old descendant studies my problem. So, he says, so, if I'd been around the house when Picasso tried to paint, then Picasso would have turned out a sidewalk painter. Is that about right? Consider my male offspring. Consider history. It's just possible that if Pablo Picasso had been a mother or even a woman, she'd never have painted Merd. What the hell do you think it meant to be a Spanish woman in the 19th century? Do you think she'd even have gotten out of the house and in most places in Spain, there would not even have been a sidewalk to paint? To say nothing of getting out of Spain altogether and going to live in Paris... My son sets his jaw, says firmly. Gender has nothing to do with anything. A real artist never lets go of the vision. I get the feeling he means that. There are no excuses. We do what we can. The results are none of our business. Nineteen seventy-four. Oh, Christmas. I was born in 1933, the day Prohibition was repealed. It was a national holiday. Nearly everyone got drunk. It was also the height of the Great Depression. I've always thought there's a distinct relationship between alcoholism and depression. A brain boiled in booze goes soft. The bottom falls out. Of course, the Great Depression was the economic depression of the 1930s in which I was born, not the psychic depression of the 70s in which I now live. Between that depression, the economic, and this, the psychic, there was World War II. Before that war, it was the money that mattered. After that, it was the mind that gave us trouble. I've been worming into World War II during the last few years, writing poems about Dresden, Dunkirk, Hiroshima, and Knossos in Crete, and Nebraska, and the Nile River, and Calvary, and Buchenwald, and Britain. In Britain, there was Winston Churchill. He demanded an unconditional surrender. So the war went on. Those were the years of my nymphhood, the period between the age of dolls, 
and the age of despair? I did not grasp that the loss of my personal innocence was a national or world phenomenon as well. Not that corruption and evil were anything new, only that they were happening to more people at the same time than ever before. Never before had so many suffered so much for so little, they say. Never before had there been so much collective guilt, that sort of thing. No one in particular was to blame, not me, I don't think. Maybe not Truman, or the scientists, or the Nazis, or anyone, anyone knew. They didn't know what that bomb could do till they tried it out. I felt the same way about all the things happening in my life. I wanted just to do it my way, just to see what would happen. Well, I did. And later on, I told the story any way it suited me. I made it all up just the way history is made up. If history is the collective prejudices of the ruling class at any given time, then my story is the private lie I present to the world. So why is it then that the world and I have come back to a sense of sin? Oh, not that we admit it. Still, I wonder why so many of us act like flagellants, beating each other to death with explanations and protestations, always pleading innocent to crimes we didn't commit. Oh, men have tried to master the earth and each other. They've tried to save the earth and help each other. We can't leave anything the hell alone. The ancient people warned us. The artists warned us. We eat of the tree and we die. Early 1975. Every year I go underground. I try to get it together, wrap it up, recycle it. Like the groundhog, I hide in a hole. Then I crawl out and look around. I'm always waiting for winter. When I peek out to check the weather, that is, the people in the scene. Well, if I see my shadow, I just get drunk. That's how I know it's still fall. And the year isn't dead yet. I'm coming out very slowly this year. There's still a little shadow that goes in and out with me. I don't think I'll finish in time for the dark. Of course, it isn't hard once you get started. The first thing is to get it all laid out before you. And then there must be a clean knife and a clear vision before consulting the entrails. It's necessary to do a lot of deep breathing because of the smells. This year, I must say... The auspices weren't very auspicious. I threw away the heart and that tiresome burden I see in the mirror. I set aside several strands of my nervous system. With these, I can begin. First, I write down everything I know, which doesn't take long. Then, I type everything on those little index cards. I underline 
all the political stuff in red. I use a blue highlighter for all the personal parts. I distinguish fact from fiction by using the scissors to cut the corners. At some point, I take a psychotic break, which usually lasts three days, although I have no way of knowing for sure. Then, carefully, I reread everything, select the really heavy stuff, profoundly engrave it on a stone tablet, bake it, break it, smash it all to fragments, I then mail the dust to the Atlantic Monthly. This year's title will be The Sands of Mind. I have been reading to you from Telegraph Avenue then a memoir Loose Leaves from a Little Black Book dated 1966 through 1977. Till next time this has been Jennifer Stone. April 14th from 10 a.m. to noon, Rain or Shine, the First Voice Media Action Program invites you to our annual community open house. You will hear from frontline community activists, including many social justice organizations, and you'll learn how the First Voice Media Action Program is connected to your community. So please join us at the station or tune in Saturday, April 14th from 10 a.m. to noon right here at KPFA 94.1 FM in Berkeley, 1929 Martin Luther King Jr. Way, just north of University Avenue. For more information, please call 510-848-6767, extension 235, or email us at apprenticeship at kpfa.org. Thank you.
Supported KPFA, KPFB in Berkeley, KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. It is now 3:30 in the afternoon. Please stay tuned for Free Speech Radio News.